0: Well, hello, and welcome to What's Brewing, CISVA. What's Brewing, CISVA is a podcast produced for the California Community College's Student Financial Aid Administrators Association. I'm your host, Dennis Schrader. I serve as 2021-22 CISVA past president.
1: And I'm Dana Yarbrough, Dennis's co-host and fellow employee at Los Angeles
0: Mission College. What's Brewing, CISVA hopes to inform and entertain you 30 minutes at a time. So, let's start the show.
1: And welcome to another episode of What's Brewing Siswa. Let's start this show with our first cup.
0: Dana, we haven't talked. What are you filling up on today? Are You, you got anything already brewing?
1: Today? So, actually, I'm going to wait until after the show to, okay. to make my brew. So, today, so, I got a little creative. Uh-huh. <laughs> Um, so I love ginger. Like I okay. love it. So what I'm gonna do is I'm going to blend some ginger with some water and okay. some condensed milk. And then I'm going to um um after I blend it, then I'm gonna brew it. Uh-huh. And it's it's like mother's milk to me. It's like the best. In fact, uh, that's what yeah. I actually call it. I call it mother's milk. Mother's like, milk.
0: Like, wow. <laughs> Never quite uh, heard of that kind of combination, but that's does. So,
1: so if you ever hear me say I'm drinking mother's milk today, it's that ginger yeah. and condensed milk mixed together. Yeah. So and you're saying on
0: the, and uh-huh. you're saying you brew it. So served yeah. hot. Yes. OK.
1: Yes. Uh-huh. So, mm-hmm. yeah, after I blend it, then I'll heat it up. I am um, in a pot. On OK. So I love it. If wow. you're a ginger fan, you have to try it.
0: <laughs> Sounds interesting. Uh, well, yeah. Again, one more drink coming out of this for Group here, you know.
1: Yeah, just making up stuff, just getting creative. Apparently so. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, that's okay. okay. Well,
0: I I know that you know we're working from home today, and we've been back in the office, and we have yet to get our uh, uh, setup quite going. Yeah. At the office, you know. I right. You know, we're taking out the big coffee machine, mm-hmm. and just going to use the K cups, I guess.
1: Mm-hmm. And then you brought a um a kettle, an electric kettle. yes.
0: Yeah, so you guys can boil water to make tea because after having conversations, not on a show, but a a, a Zoom meeting Mm -hmm. with one of our fellow employees down the hall um, in research, um, we have some tea fanatics.
1: Oh, man. And
0: that would include Dana. Yeah, oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So we we make us have a special episode of What's Brewing Sisva to talk tea. After all, I mean, what better? tea? Serving the tea. Brewing. Yes. Let's see, so yes, serving tea,
1: or like, what's the tea?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. Uh huh. I'm liking all of this. Yeah, the two of you, you and Patricia, you can go on for hours about. Absolutely. And then, of course, we know that you've gone out and bought fancy, fancy, fancy tea. Oh,
1: after we talked to her, and she made all uh-huh. the suggestions that she made. You know. Mm-hmm. Afterwards, I looked at every single one of them.
0: Yes. <laughs> Where'd you get some I, from last? Uh, Singapore, right?
1: Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. So I've already ordered and received my uh, packages from Singapore. Yes. But I feel like Patricia, she's like a tea guru. So like. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> she's on another level.
0: Well, if you've seen her office, because um, I've had to drop stuff off for her uh, research stuff and all that. She does have quite the little um, setup. Yeah. For uh, tea brewing. She's got her gigantic. Tea, coffee mug. Mm-hmm. That's more like a, a soup bowl, cereal bowl, almost. Yeah, And that she'll walk around with her green tea. Uh
1: huh.
0: Yeah. So. That's it. Mm-hmm. And
1: so I'm just gonna tell you. I know we're still transitioning back to the office, but mm-hmm. I plan to to do the same thing: is make myself a little nook, tea nook.
0: That's fine. We're gonna. I'm, I figure we'll set up that uh the hot pot um for uh, boiling water somewhere by where the old coffee pot was. Mm-hmm. So you'll have it right there You'll have your tea station right there
1: Our fancy, so we can have our fancy
0: tea <clears throat> yes. In the morning times That's right, yes, and then uh-huh. uh, K-Cups for everyone Who wants their coffee Yes, I know it's yes. not a purest thing for the coffee But, you know, it's hard to make a full pot of coffee These days
1: It really is, yeah And then, when, you know, with K-Cups, yeah. it's, it's perfect Like you said, mm-hmm. it's a perfect um size yes. For one person And, you know, there's so many varieties out there mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Well, worst case Again, I barely use my little three-cup coffee maker. Mm -hmm. So if I have to bring that to the office, I might do that. Mm, Okay. if people really need to grind. But I've got the... The K-cup machine we bought, I did buy... It's got the one... It's got a coffee urn for it. And it's got the bigger pods. And so you can brew, like, a whole pot of coffee if you want to.
1: Nice. Okay.
0: It's got the extra water tank, you know. Mm Mm-hmm. So... Hopefully, we'll have that back in the office, too, seeing that one of our employees, I asked to uh, have her walk over it during these last right. year plus of time away. Oh, yeah. Yeah, uh-huh. you know, I want to make sure it got, uh, got cared for. Well properly.
1: taken care of. Yeah. Yeah,
0: exactly. So today, you know, we're obviously doing a show, everyone. Hopefully, these people haven't tuned out quite yet. We haven't nerded out on anything yet. I know. Right? <laughs> Gone down the rabbit
1: hole like we usually do. Yeah.
0: Exactly. So today's show is all about verification. Now, it's not going to be so newsy, but there is some news out there. And the reason uh, that's pretty much the reason we're doing the show, because just in this last week, the federal government through the U.S. Department of Education, through Federal Student Aid, which is part of Department of Ed, uh, put out an announcement regarding um, uh, them backing off of us needing to do what's called V-1 verification. So before we even get to that, Dana, let's talk about where this all comes from. Mm-hmm. So as we know, there was FAFSA simplification or the FAFSA simplification act, which was passed towards the end of uh, 2020. That included in it a number of things, that were to be um, implemented over time through 2023. We talked a little, I talked a little about this on the news show that I taped last Tuesday, this last Tuesday. Uh, But as part of FAFSA simplification, we've already had some things go into effect, right? We've had no more selective service requirement. Mm -hmm. So it used to be all males, you know, all males still have to. Register for a selective service between the ages of 18 and 25. On the FAFSA, there was a question that asked, were you registered? If not, do you want us to register you? And the reason is, if you were not registered and you were required to, you couldn't get financial aid. Well, that goes away, that requirement for federal aid. Then there was that question, and it's kind of changed over the years, about have you ever been convicted of... uh, selling or possessing illegal drugs. Mm -hmm. And that question, although it's still on the FAFSA, because they're not going to change the form right now for this year, we're no longer taking the answers from that. Now, if I understand, again, that's a self-selecting question. So, you know, students could always lie and all, but they always found out that um, through their studies from the Department of Ed, the percentage of students who were saying yes to the question appeared to match what would be, correct answers for that age group or whatever. Mm, okay. So they always figured that students were actually being honest Truthful. about it. Yeah, yeah exactly. Mm. Who could have guessed? <laughs> <laughs> and then the last one, and I think we talked we talked about this or I did at some point, there's no more SULA. Oh man. Ooh, wee. <laughs> in short, SULA SULA was what? Subsidized usage limit applies. Possibly the worst acronym in the world. Um, I agree with you. And it was this whole separate calculation because, as you know, uh, those in financial aid world or those who've ever had a federal student loan, there are subsidized and unsubsidized federal student loans. Kind of what they sound like. Subsidized, you're getting a subsidy in that the federal government's paying the interest on your student loan for you while you're in school and usually during the six months right after. Unsubsidized loans, government's not paying your interest. But you can put off the payment of the interest till you're graduated and starting making repayments. Well, Sula meant that students had a limit of how many semesters they could receive a subsidized loan. And the idea was to kind of track with the idea that you have about 150% of the normal time frame for your program to get a subsidized loan. But Dana, we found out that other than the headaches of just trying to do it and track it, It was kind of repetitive of our already in place academic progress standards, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. I mean, we already have academic standards that say that you have to complete your program within 150% or you have to petition, et cetera, et cetera. So it was really a goofy thing. And the way they implemented it as far as like, you know, if you took a semester or a year or it was 12 units instead of 15, all these goofy things, you'd end up with like some small remainder of a semester, And then it was like, do they get subsidized loan or not? Right. So cause more confusion than anything. It is done. We are done with that. There are still academic progress standards in place, though, for all federal aid. So this all brings us, of course, to the topic for today. Verification. And with this big news from the federal government. So, Dane, I thought we'd just kind of give like a little rundown of things. Awesome. And this is where I'm going to let you do more of the talking. <laughs> like a, so
1: we're uh, going to give everybody like a retrospective. Exactly.
0: So, okay. Dana, in your mind or in uh, all your years of experience, what is verification?
1: Okay. Tell so our I'm gonna, listeners. I'm going to give the layman's term or the speech I give to students. So verification is when the Department of Education selects you to submit documentation to verify what you've reported on your FAFSA application. <laughs>
0: That is exactly what it is. So, you know, the FAFSA is a self-certified form, which means almost all the numbers that you put for income and assets and stuff like that can be self-certified. Now the, they have, uh, you know, squared things up over what, I, I'm trying to think how long we've had the IRS data retrieval tool. Five plus oh, years? that's a good question. Ten Couple, years? Yeah. Yeah, see, that's a tough For one. a while, yeah. So if you say that on the FAFSA, when you get to the income questions, and it says, like, on the last FAFSA, <clears throat> did you file a tax return for 2019? And you mark yes. And then you're doing the form, of course, online because no one's got a paper form anymore. Uh, at some point, then they'll ask you, what kind of form did you file? You know, 1040, et cetera, et cetera. Did you file jointly or whatever? And they're doing some screening out because <clears throat> the IRS data retrieval tool will literally retrieve data for you or your parents if your parents are helping fill out your FAFSA and you need their information, go out to the website, uh, go from the FAFSA website to the IRS and pull the data in that you need onto the FAFSA. So that's what the data retrieval tool does. That's why, again, I can't remember how long it's been out, five, ten years maybe at most. I want to say five, yeah, because its I don't think ten. Yeah, I think you're right. I think it's on the shorter side. I've yeah. been hearing about it since I started Right, yeah, I was going to say, yeah, it, it had... And someday. <laughs> yeah,
1: uh-huh. And they they find... would talk about it at the, you know, at different conferences.
0: Exactly, right. and I guess uh-huh. the biggest uh, issue uh, um, was always the fact that, again, the IRS doesn't have the same kind of online processes as the Department of Ed does. They don't have, you know, you can't just do your 1040 through the IRS. Mm-hmm. You can't just go to the IRS website, have a username, and check your tax returns. And so they've always talked about the fact that they had a higher level of data security for all taxpayers, um, and thus that always kind of held them back of how to make this interaction thing with the Department of Ed. So other than that, though, the whole idea here is that uh, with your FAFSA, most of the information can be and is self-certified. So that's why they came up with verification as a process. And this has existed, I think, Probably from the earliest days of the FAFSA, because I'm pretty Mm -hmm. sure at some point when I filled out a FAFSA and I switched, uh, yeah, I had to turn in some tax returns. Mm. Because I remember when I first started going to college, it was pre-FAFSA days. It was pre-free application for federal student aid. It was a paid form that the Department of Ed used a processor like ACT or the people who do the SAT tests or whatever.
1: Do you remember how much it would
0: cost? You know, I'm trying to remember. I think it was like 10 or $11 maybe. Ooh, wee, that's and a you lot got of like, money back then. Yeah, yeah. it was back yeah. in the, uh, let's say the late 80s. Uh, yeah. And it was like you'd get two or three schools. And then if you needed to add more, it was like, $5 more per student, Ooh, school reserve. Oh my goodness.
1: Yeah. <clears throat> so no fee, no no fee waiver form that you can complete I don't,
0: so. I don't think so. I don't think so. I don't think there's nothing for that unfortunately. Uh as far okay. as I remember. So yeah, you had to pay for it. The form was sent off. The, the results was kind of the same thing. You'd get results, the results would be sent to your school and they calculated federal aid and all kind of in a very similar manner. It's just the form itself. It wasn't until the early 90s when we went with the free application Mm -hmm. for federal student aid. Um, And again, I'm pretty sure at some point I had to turn in some tax returns, which is the biggest part, right? The verification, it's really verifying income and a number of people in the household and how many of them are going to college. And again, some of that is still self-certified because on the FAFSA, they'll say, how many people in your household? And you'll write nine because you're Mike, you know, you're Greg Brady going to college Mm -hmm. and you'll put nine people in my household. And then if you get selected for verification, you'll have to list all those people and their relation to you and their age. And if they're going to a college, the name of the college. Right. And a school then like you, because you've seen many of these processing verification, you'll go down the list and go, okay, brother, uh, you know, brother, sister, 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 getting the Brady family, right? Yes. Um, Mother, father. And Alice would be a tough one because now is Alice really a dependent of the family? There you go, yeah. So it's really not, um, probably not. Alice has an income. Yeah. She supports them herself more than halfway. So actually we have a family of eight. So you might do a correction on that or whatever. And then the student also would put income and assets and include copies of tax returns. We'd verify that against what's on the FAFSA. Make corrections if we need to. And then we finally <clears throat> would have an expected family contribution number, the number that comes from the FAFSA, that tells us high or low students' eligibility for aid. So that's kind of what verification is in a nutshell. Dana, your explanation is exactly what I would tell a student, (laughs) too. Yeah. Because you don't want to give them too much detail. Yeah, I think it kind of
1: gets confusing, so I just... Easily does. Yeah. Uh huh.
0: In fact, it gets so confusing sometimes, even at this point, I think we need a little music. (laughs) <laughs> Before we go into the next part, we was going to get a brain. little deeper here on FAFSA and verification.
1: And welcome back for our second cup segment on the What's Brewing Cease
0: for show. I figured we needed a quick... A quick little uh, cup of something there to drink. Because we're about to really go down the rabbit hole. That's right. Because the whole goal is in the next seven to eight minutes to get to the point of what the news was, right, about verification. Mm -hmm. So we talked about what it is, why we do it. Now, how many get selected? Um, The old rule used to be you had to select at least 30%. -hmm. And so the Department of Ed was telling you who to select, and it usually was close to 30%. For a while there, though, it was quite a bit higher. Yeah, because I, re- I remember
1: one year it seemed like every yeah. student was selected. Yeah, one year
0: <laughs> I-, I was looking at the stats and this was for a lot of community colleges uh, because they generally don't verify graduate students almost at all. And the reason for that is there's no subsidized right. aid available. Anyways, they took away subsidized loans many years ago and gave them some other unsubsidized federal loan eligibility. But yeah, it was uh 55% or so. Mm-hmm. And I have a feeling a lot of community colleges felt the same way because how does a student get selected? You know, it's really not as random as some people think. Although sometimes I know we've used that as kind of the the way to explain it to students.
1: Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. Because you don't want to but point there's out. There's a formula. There's a for formula it. for yeah. it. Um,
0: uh-huh. It's an, a risk assessment, uh, a formula that the federal government has that they do not share with schools. And they actually have, if you look at the results of a FAFSA that we get, you know, Mm -hmm. the schools and there is a verification index number. And I think it goes from zero, 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 zero up to nine, 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 nine or something like that. And where that number falls gives a, a some, in a sense, a risk assessment for the student as far as that might, that we may want to follow up on what could be discrepant information. Mm, Okay. You know, you know, either an income or otherwise. So, again, with the what happened is, though, with this implementation of the data retrieval tool and more students and parents using it, if they use it and then they do not mess with the numbers that come over from the IRS, they, in a sense, are lowering their risk and their verification index and are less likely to get selected for verification. I hope you've seen that, Dana, as you've uh, uh, done verification for students. Does mm-hmm. that sound right? Yes. It's uh-huh. usually the ones who are self-certified On the FAFSA that say, uh, I did not work or I did not have to file and had, uh, Mm -hmm. say, smaller amounts of income that tend to get selected for verification. Mm -hmm. And so in a sense, it's the federal government's way to protect the assets of uh, federal aid programs. So there is that to it. So one of the things that was always interesting was uh, when you see on our chat boards and financial aid and all, if you read that kind of stuff. Was the schools that would say, you know, this student, all they did was they got their FAFSA process. They weren't selected for verification. Then they went in and they changed your address or their email address or yes, something like that. I remember. And then yeah. suddenly they're selected for verification. Yes. Uh-huh. Well, <clears throat> my favorite answer came from a retired guy from the Department of Ed that used to come to all our conferences. We'll just call him Mr. Baker. <laughs> we'll say <save> that. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> His explanation was pretty clear, I think. And again, I could be confusing with someone else from the Department of Ed, but it was one of these things along the line of this. If you can't get your email address correct.
1: How could you get the rest of How, how likely do you
0: have any of the numbers correct in your income section? So there you right? go. Select Lack it. of attention to detail. So I thought that was a very good answer. I was like, huh, that does make a lot of sense. Again, you know, like if you can't get the simple stuff, you really want us to take the fact that you got all the numbers right? Yeah, I know. That, that's, a, that's a very good question at that. But now verification. In the olden days, there was only one type, right? It was verify the household number, how many in the college, and then the income information. And send along tax returns. But then the federal government got all wise about maybe, what, 10 years ago or so? Mm-hmm. where they decided, no, we want to just sometimes verify pieces and parts. Right. Right. Child support being yes. uh, paid or received. Received, right? I remember. I thought it was both. Maybe it was both. Oh, yeah, maybe it was, it was both. both. And yeah. then also if you were receiving TANF benefits.
1: But now, I do remember, mm-hmm. I remember when I was a student worker, I'm because I'm trying to go back in my mind. Okay. To remember what the form looked like. I think you're right.
0: I think... <laughs> It could have been child support paid or received, and then separately was TANF, or yeah, uh, yeah. you know Cal CalWorks kind of uh, uh-huh. benefit. So that was V two yeah. and V three. Uh
1: huh. Yeah.
0: Right, and then we had V four and V five, and V four was all about students who were possibly um, uh, lying on their form. It would be the nicest way to say we had to verify that they had intent to complete their. They had an <laughs> educational purpose. Yes. They had to have it notarized or brought in with their picture ID to prove mm-hmm. they are them. And it was right. kind of there to screen out potential fraudsters. And then V5 was basically all of that, plus the regular verification of income and assets and all that. Mm-hmm. So those two still exist. And then for a very brief moment, we had a V6, which was so much more. It was like all the <clears throat> untaxed or Yeah, all the untaxed income that doesn't show up on a tax return It was like all those questions from the FAFSA broken down with the student needing to answer those. And that luckily only lasted, I think, about a year. So V2 and V3 also didn't take too long because I think the feds found out those who had said that they were collecting like TANF-type benefits, you know, welfare benefits, were still collecting them. And there wasn't a whole lot of changes to the formula, at least. So thank God they went away. So, Dana, we're at that point. Should we dare to break the news about what's going on then?
1: Yeah, I hope they're. Re- I think we we prepared them. Enough. I think so. We've t- given yeah.
0: you the history of verification in a haphazard way. So, the big news this week was for 2021 and 20, uh, for the coming 2021 22 school year, which starts this fall, and students have been doing FAFSAs since last October. Yeah. Uh huh verification as we know it v1 as we call it where the income and a, the income and the household size and stuff like that uh is all put on hiatus. We do not need to verify students. Isn't that nice?
1: That is I'm still actually trying mm-hmm. to wrap my mind around that. Mm-hmm. Like
0: <laughs> Yes,
1: yeah, it does. It sounds awesome, but then it's like, whoa, like
0: Yes. Really? yeah this is the the biggest change ever because again it's it's pandemic related obviously obviously yeah um you know and again trying to keep students from getting caught in the process which is always a concern student fills out a fafsa gets caught in verification has a problem getting tax returns from their parents or themselves or um doesn't want to can't get their parents to sign off on the form because at that point you might need them to do so And it just stops them from getting aid. And so I understand that. And so I think there's a lot of pros to this, you know, as far as uh, pros and cons. I think there's a lot of pros in the sense that we will not be holding up students. We're taking down a barrier. Right. The thing is, my concern is, and again, um, unless you have the proper tools, do we have the ability to to address the cons, which is, again, now the form is self-certified. Now we're still supposed to be on the lookout. We're supposed to be looking out for discrepant information, so yes, you know if Dana did a FAFSA last year and the family income was a hundred thousand, and then this year she finds out about all this stuff about not needing to verify and puts her income at five thousand dollars, you know or something, and says did not have to file a tax return, well, that could be a legitimate thing that happened during the pandemic, lost mm-hmm. a job, absolutely. et cetera. Mm-hmm. Or is she just trying to avoid, you know, any kind of uh, wrongdoing and get a higher amount of aid because she's reported a significantly lower income?
1: I guess it's kind of like how we talked about the drug conviction question where Mm -hmm. it's like, you know, the level of student honesty. You know, I guess they'll they'll see after they, um, you know, after the academic year is over and they do their research. Yes, because...
0: That that's probably the one good thing about the FAFSA uh, mm-hmm. in general, as far as when it comes to research and all mm-hmm. there's anywhere from 16 to 20 million FAFSAs a year filed. So you got a large data set. And so they can do that kind of study to see exactly, is there a significant change? Again, some of it could be pandemic related on income and all, but can they see other changes along the way? Right for me, I
1: think, but I don't think for me, this is like a con It's just uh-huh. like, oh man, it's just like maybe, I don't know if the transition will be a little rocky is yeah. um, updating our system. Oh yes. Know? Right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's that we're still working on that. Mm-hmm. I know there's, uh, we had our staff meeting this week. Uh, we are still working at that, uh, on the district level mm-hmm. on how to make this work. Because one of the things we forget about now, this is all on the federal side. So, um, We do have some issues when it comes to Cal Grant consideration and or our DREAMers and their wholly separate California DREAM Act application. Absolutely. Because of the way those forms are created and the eligibility for Cal Grants are, um, just as when we talked about the drug conviction and selective service, currently, if you want a Cal Grant, you still have to do both of those.
1: Yes. Because Because that hasn't changed. It's written
0: into the law, apparently, for Cal Grant. Uh, And so there's certain things like that, that uh, it's, yes, you don't have to do it for this, but yes, you have to do it for this kind of attitude. Um, So things aren't as smooth federal to state level, but that's because, again, the states make their own rules sometimes. Even though we use the FAFSA for Cal Grant consideration, it's still a possibility that to get Cal Grant, you still have to meet some of the requirements that the feds are slowly, you know, Uh, shaving off of the process. So Mm
1: -hmm.
0: it'll be an interesting time, everybody. Interesting.
1: Yeah. And and I I was just going to say, and how campuses are able to um, adapt. Yes. To no longer
0: having a RV. Yeah, it's going to be less work in some ways. But again, hopefully refocus our efforts on other things like outreach. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Creating music. (laughs) Stuff like that, you know. Yeah. Because we're at Uh that point. Let's have a little music here. And just like that, we are back for our last SIP segment, everybody. I figure we've talked out verification. We'll save some for next week, too, because maybe we'll get... Um, I'm thinking we'll try to get uh, that new president of CISFA, Anna Faye, to come oh, in definitely. and talk we, to, we us. Have
1: to She has to chime in. She has to share her thoughts. Yes, absolutely.
0: Yeah, After all, she is a certified financial aid administrator through NASFA. So she is much smarter than both of us put together.
1: Absolutely. uh huh. Yeah.
0: Just don't let tell her that too much. That's why it would go to her head or whatever. <laughs> She's the chosen one. Yes, yeah, she is. So Dana, <laughs> in our last part of the show here, do you have any I dare you to selections for the group?
1: Absolutely. And I'm awesome. probably preaching to the choir when I say yeah. this is please take a walk. Like <laughs> a walk. I and like I say that. that I'm I'm preaching to the choir, but I'm really preaching to myself. Um, yes. so you know, this was our our first full week. Yes. Well, sort of semi-full week uh-huh. back to the campus, right? So um, you know, I challenged myself to walk during my lunch. Yes. And I'm just gonna be honest, I'm just gonna keep it real. It's the first time I've I've walked for like 30 minutes or 20 minutes straight. Uh-huh. Since we've been working from home, I know <laughs> it's terrible. That's funny, that is terrible. So, please, everybody, and again, I'm probably preaching to the choir. Mm-hmm. Take a walk if you haven't taken a walk yet.
0: I may have to give you Get some of there. my Dodger tickets because, um, <clears throat> you can now literally uh traverse the whole way around the stadium, uh, if okay. you want to. You can walk from you know, right behind home plate on uh, a- field I've level. I've actually done
1: that. I've actually. And they've done got that.
0: walkways that will take you all the way out into the pavilion. Okay. And all the way around the pavilion because they added that new walkway and some new landing spots, and uh-huh. then come all the way around. So I think that might be something you want to do, Dana.
1: Yeah, because I've I've done a Dodger run before, okay. so and uh, the route, you know, took yeah. us around and took us around the. um not very good when it comes to baseball but like the outside of the stadium like yeah the field yeah we got okay. to walk around the field yeah. oh
0: okay yeah this way you can just walk around the stands and you know stop for food and beer and stuff if you want oh oh wow okay i'm just saying <laughs> if you really want to you know take that walk to another level
1: <laughs> well that I, would, I, yeah that would take it to the next level yes it would
0: yes it would well my i dare you to isn't quite as uh physical activity but it is computer activity, and my, I dare you to, is to back up your data, everybody. You know, even if you're not scared of hackers or having your data hijacked and then having to figure out how to buy Bitcoin to get it back, uh, you should have at least two to three copies of your data, everybody. And again, it doesn't have to be a full backup of your computer. It has to be your, your documents, your pictures. I assume most of everyone out there who's got a cell phone or otherwise has a million pictures. And probably the biggest thing to this, and I learned this from Leo Laporte, the tech guy who does a radio show, he was on tech TV back when that existed on cable TV, Um, he would always talk about the fact that you have to have at least one of those copies off-site, and nowadays, or in the the cloud. And the reason for that is, let's say you uh, back up all your data from your computer onto a hard drive in your house, that's awesome, until you have... Uh, a theft that takes them both or a fire or something like that, some, uh, you know, off offshoot thing that, or you forget it or whatever, you're going to lose all your data still. So you want to have at least one of them off in the cloud if you can do so. And there are plenty of options out there. So I'm not going to sell you on any particular one. I use one that again, backs it up. And again, it backs up what folders I tell it to. So photos, videos, all that stuff that I've got on the computer, again, you don't want to lose it just because your hard drive crashes or whatever, and then you're suddenly in scramble mode. So everybody, think about it. Do it in an automated way. You don't want to be trying to think about doing it uh, where you're just going to, oh, I'll just move files at the end of the week or whatever, you know, and and make copies. No. Find some software or something and make this easier for yourself and everybody else in your household before you lose photos. Right, Dana? We don't want to be losing all our Digital photos,
1: absolutely. And there, and like you said, there's some great services out there. Yes. You know,
0: you can get it for free, or if you want to pay, yes. Like, Use uh-huh. your iCloud accounts or yeah. your whatever accounts mm-hmm. um, to make this all happen, everyone.
1: Yeah.
0: Well, Dana, guess what?
1: Oh, is, is it that time already? User?
0: Yeah, we've actually given them bonus minutes here, everybody. Oh boy, because you, you got really excited about
1: uh, you know saving your data. That's right, I did.
0: So that's why we have no more time today. But of course, there's always time on our next episode. So I want to thank my co-host Dana for joining us today on What's Brewing CISFA. And thank you, our audience, for tuning in.
1: And everyone, if you have something to say or you have topics you want us to discuss, email us at wbcisfa at gmail.com.
0: For this and all What's Brewing CISFA podcasts, find us on Google Podcasts, your Apple Podcasts app, Spotify, Pandora, iHeartRadio, and the TuneIn app on your Amazon Echo by using Alexa.
1: What's Bruin CISFA is a production of Studio 1051, a creative collaboration of Dennis and me.
0: This has been episode number 106, recorded the morning of Friday, July 16th, 2021. Have a great day. And have a great weekend, everybody.